My name is Joshua Sweet, and you're listening to 102.5 WLAS LP New, and I'm here with my guest, Rory Delasno. So, Rory, nice to have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's good to meet you. Um, no problem. I wanted to start by asking, what kind of music do you play? Like, what is your genre? Sure. So, um, I usually say it's somewhere between singer-songwriter, kind of like an Ed Sheeran type, and alternative rock. So uh, some, some sort of like Jimmy World emo type stuff, I guess. That's what I picked up from listening to you, actually. I, I, thought, cool. I thought I I heard that cheer and I heard I, lo I loved it. Uh, uh, oh, thank you, man. <laughs> and how did you get your start? What made you want to be a musician? Sure. So uh, when I was a little kid, my dad actually gave me his guitar to uh, play around with. And it was just something that I gravitated toward. Uh, from a very young age. I was probably in like kindergarten or first grade when I started just sort of playing whatever I could. And I mean, the rest was basically history. I kind of just never put it down from that point on. I like that. I like that. See, personally, myself, like when I was a kid, I, I picked up my parents' guitar as well, but I put it down for years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool that you held on to it, you know? Uh, different paths, same result, right? Exactly. exactly <laughs> we yeah. love it now. Exactly. That's all that matters, you know. And do you have a creative process when it comes to writing? Yeah, I usually start with uh, melody over lyrics, just because I feel like melody has sort of confusing rules. So there really are no rules. Whereas lyrics, you know, there's some sort of, there's obviously subjective ideas of what's good or what isn't. But objectively, there's only so many ways to put a sentence together. But yeah. melodies are sort of this like hard to grasp thing. So I usually start there and you know, follow, follow the lead from that. So, yeah, I, I do too, for the most part. I'm with yeah. You. Yeah. And who are your biggest musical influences? So I grew up on the Beatles and the Everly Brothers, Queen, a lot of older stuff. I still love that stuff. But as I got older, I started getting more into, as I mentioned, like emo music, I guess, you know, that was sort of like a no-no to call it that at one point, but now I kind of lean into it myself. So yeah. Jimmy Eat World, Take Meg Sunday, Paramore, all that kind of stuff really inspires me a lot. Okay, cool. cool. No, I used, to, I used to like that stuff a lot too. The email yeah. music, I'm with you. I'm sad it kind of, it's kind of dying down. Like, yeah, I think it'll make a comeback. <laughs> in, a way, in a way it has, if you think about it. Now the, the idea of like emo music has kind of moved to hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's little peeps, there's little Uzis. Now they're like the emo ones. And yeah, that's true. Emo. So it's crazy how like now like rock and rap have kind of like combined. It's a rock album with a, with a hip hop sound, you know? Exactly, yeah. Things just keep evolving. And that's, that's the beauty of it all, I guess. And speaking of like these musicians and stuff, if you could collab with one musician, dead or alive, who would it be? And why? I mean, probably, I guess I'd take the easy one and say Paul McCartney. Uh, he's yeah. just like, he's all over the place. I mean, his, his, uh, his style is just really uh, limitless. You know, you can listen to 10 different McCartney songs and they sound like 10 different artists and you can pull it yeah. off, you know, the same way. So he's someone I've always kind of looked to as like a musical god, I guess, you know? Yeah, no, most, most definitely, most definitely. I, I'm a huge Beatles fan myself, so I 100% yeah. get your answer. And I, I would think, when looking at your stuff and listening to you, you might get this a lot. I would think that you would like Jimi Hendrix because the first thing I noticed when I was watching you play on YouTube was that your guitar is upside down. Yes, yeah. Uh, I was like, the first thing I thought I was like, wow, I didn't, I, that's really cool. Like, it's like Jimmy or something. So, no, he did that. <laughs> and, Thanks for that. Uh, so, why did you keep it down for the most part? 
uh, yeah, it's just, I, I learned so young, I didn't know what was going on. And I think when you start doing anything that young, you don't really think too much about it. It just becomes like second nature. And I'm, I'm pretty happy about that because I feel like if I had to learn how to play guitar at like 17 years old, I probably would have been like, oh man, my fingers hurt and I don't want to practice and all that stuff. So learned real young, just kind of went with it. And then by the time people started telling me, hey, that's not the way you're supposed to do it, it was kind of too late to turn around. And now people you know, sometimes people seem to think it's like an interesting thing. So, you know, as well as anyone probably, you know, in this industry, it's like, you got to find a way to stand out. So if that's something that gets me a little extra attention or interest, then so be it, you know? It definitely caught my eye for sure. That was the first thing I noticed. Yeah. Watching you play, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, why is this? I was like, oh, he keeps his pit guard on the other side. I was like, cool. And then I was like, wait a minute. I was like, right. I was like he's playing it upside down. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> comes with its limitations but I think there are some things that are easier for me to play this way like a lot of the parts I've written people who play you know the proper way they say oh that's weird like my finger can't go that way yeah. so I mean all right you know if that's something that makes me distinctive in the you know the stuff I write as well then then all the better I guess right so how exactly did you learn because like for me when I learned, I was watching YouTube tutorials and they would, I would hold it the proper way and I, I, it was easy for me to look at it and then uh, imitate that hand shape or something. For yeah. You have, the you have to do upside down. How did you properly well, do that? It's weird. I think it's almost kind of like dyslexia in a way because I think I read everything upside down. I read everything backwards. It looks the right way to me. It, does, like, it doesn't appear that it's flipped to me. I just read it the opposite, I guess. Yeah, it's probably hard for it's hard for someone who plays a typical way to conceive of that, and it's hard for me to conceive it the other way. Like, I'm when I'm looking at other people reading like tabs or chord charts, I'm like, "What do you mean this is upside down?" The way I'm reading it, it seems right to me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that must be that must be difficult, like uh, jamming with other people if they want you to like play one of their things. I don't know how much you like play other people's stuff, but like, yeah surprisingly it's not too bad i even sometimes i play like a proper lefty guitar uh it's hard for me to play a proper righty guitar because my right hand just isn't really like equipped it to strum um and same you know my left hand isn't equipped to do the fingering but um if i play like a regular lefty guitar everything is upside down but it, it feels easy for me to reverse it so i i don't know it's i think because i'm so used to watching other people's fingers upside down it's kind of like I'm already automatically doing it as I'm watching other people. You know, now that I think about it, do you ever solo like on the high strings? Like, cause you would have to be doing it like the top, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like, so, a like you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, that is a limitation, especially on electric guitar. Obviously most of the soloing usually happens on electric, but um, my buddy Victor Gerbo actually just made me a custom lefty righty Telecaster because of that exact problem. Like I literally couldn't get my hands up to the higher frets because of the way that the guitar body was cut. Yeah. So yeah, that does present some limitations. Luckily I don't need to shred too much, yeah. but yeah. there are a couple times also with the, uh, with the strap, if I'm standing up and I have the strap, sometimes I need to put my arm on the other, my hand on the other side of the strap to reach the higher frets. So it's a little bit of an adjustment, but again, you know, glass half full, people see me do that. Sometimes they go, wait, what did he just do? And then at least they're listening for some reason. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Even if the songs are terrible, they're like, oh, that was weird. That guy, that guy did that thing. I haven't seen yeah. it before. <laughs> yeah, it's always cool to have like a gimmick to you. And I think that's a really good one. Exactly. Hey, great songwriters, you know, that play guitar, but then like there's not a lot that 
flip it the other way. So that definitely, yeah, that's definitely a really cool trait of yours. And this is on the topic of like you working with like other musicians and trying to play other stuff. And I want to ask, how long has Black Rose Revival been around for? So that band is actually, it, we got together uh, right before COVID. And then we had a lineup change and we got starting, got started again. And then COVID really got serious. So it's been about a year since myself and my drummer Sergio started working on these essentially heavier tunes that I'd written a long time ago. Cause I've compiled like over a hundred songs and I was just like, I don't know what to do with these, but it's a weird thing cause it's existed for over a year now, but we haven't played out or anything. So my drummer and I are really tight, but with the lineup changes and with the pandemic, it's sort of like half, half in existence and half, uh, you know, theory. <laughs> yeah. Now, is this like Bruno Mars and the Hooligans, or is it? Is it like a Rory Delasno and the Black Rose Revival, or is it like just you? You are Black Rose Revival with them. No, it's a cohesive unit. I mean, it's a little bit hard to say now because there's been a lineup change, but I mean, definitely the intention is for it to be a cohesive project. I have come up with a lot of the ideas with the uh, previous iteration of it where, you know, I came forward with a song idea and they said, okay, I like that, let's work off that. But it's totally like a thing where I want people to be able to throw their ideas in and, and you know, you know, veto something I come up with, they come up with something good, and you know, sort of collaborative in that respect. And how would your bandmates describe your work ethic? <laughs> I think a uh, pretty intense work ethic because music is all I think about to almost to a fault. I, I stress myself out. I end up giving myself, you know, shoulder aches and, uh, you know, or a neck, and my neck's been killing me lately. So mm -hmm. essentially I stress myself out by just like constantly thinking about music. So yeah. probably they would say, uh, I need to chill out and just kind of roll with stuff. Cause I do, I do work very hard at what I do. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and that, that's always good. That's always good to be like that, even though it's like, it's stressful. It's a great, great trade of yours. So keep that up. Be better than the other way around, I guess, right? Better than too lazy, but exactly. it's gotta be a happy medium. <laughs> 100%. And who came up with the name Black Rose Revival? Um, you know, I don't know. It's, again, it's, it's a little weird because there was a lineup change, but I think at one point it was myself and my bassist were throwing around ideas and then we came, we settled on that. But all that's kind of subject to change right now as we go through different members. I really want to make sure that it's a democratic process, you know, for the most part, because I've been doing my own thing for so long. I'm kind of sick of calling all the shots. You know, there's nothing like that camaraderie and teamwork. Like my drummer's been with me the whole time and he and I definitely have that kind of teamwork. Yeah. So uh, we're looking to get some guys in that can really kind of add to that and, uh, you know, give these songs the best uh, final shape that they can have. That's always good. That's definitely a really good thing to have that um, camaraderie and music and whatnot. You know? It's a beautiful thing, yeah. If you're just tuning in, my name is Joshua Sweet, and you're listening to 102.5 WLAS LP New, and I'm here chatting it up with my guest, singer-songwriter Rory Delasno. I gotta say, I really like your song, Happy with Phil Robinson. Uh, thank you. I like it a lot. Because I was thinking, I was like, it was, it was like this cross between like, uh, like Louis Tomlinson, Ed Sheeran, and like oh, Billy, cool. that's what I thought it was Billy Joel Ed Sheeran Louis Tomlinson that's just the vibes I got from that um wow I don't know I don't know have you ever heard the? because I, I feel like you might have heard the Ed Sheeran thing before I don't know if you've heard yeah. the Billy Joel thing have you ever heard the Louis Tomlinson before so I've definitely not he's the guy from uh, One Direction right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool though. he has some solo stuff right he does yeah 
I feel like, I feel like, yeah, all of them have had their own projects that are like yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I was listening to you. Like, he sounds like Louie. <laughs> That's the first thing. That's a great. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. That definitely with the Billy Joel as well. I love Billy Joel. Yeah. He, he's one of those dudes that like every song of his, I pretty much know like the back of my hand at this point. So you're a big Billy Joel fan? Big Billy Joel guy. Oddly, more Billy Joel than Bruce Springsteen until very recently. Mm. I'm from Jersey, so that's oh, the big yeah. divide. <laughs> yeah, no. So J- Jersey, Jersey's got some of the best artists. They have you guys have Bon Jovi, Charlie Puth, Springsteen. Yeah, pretty sure Whitney Houston, was, right? Whitney Houston, yeah. My Chemical Romance. Wow, yeah. See, they the just, only time My Chem and Whitney Houston are mentioned in the same sentence, like <laughs> nothing in common except Jersey, but they're both great. I'm telling you, people, a lot of people like to crap on Jersey, but like Jersey's got some of the best musicians out of there. No lie, you guys do. Hey, so I got you have to tell me twice. <laughs> I got to ask, what what inspired Happy? What was the inspiration behind it? Happy was basically a song about a breakup. I was going through a breakup, trying to figure out if we could be friends, if we ever were friends. Just sort of trying to get a sense of that new dynamic, reminiscing over reminiscing about the things that had happened and then sort of coming to peace with the fact that, you know, things are different, but maybe that's okay. So that's basically, that's basically what that's about to me, but I've heard some different interpretations over the course of time. And, you know, I'm down with that. If people want to, you know, if people hear something different in that and it resonates with them, then make it your own. Hell yeah. You know? So it's like accepting change, basically. That's what you. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. Yeah. For me, that's what, and actually that was one of those songs that at the time, was like kind of a comfort. I mean, I'm sure you know as someone who's a musician as well, you know, sometimes music can be a very cathartic thing. Sometimes it's just like, hey, this sounds cool. I like this riff, let's build on that. And sometimes it's like, man, I'm hurting. I wanna write something that makes me feel better or makes somebody else feel better. So that was kind of where that came from, out of like a need for something to, to, you know, heal a wound, I guess, you know? Most definitely. And after after watching the video, I really liked, the video itself i liked everything about it. i like the people everything right. do you do your own casting for your videos or do you have someone cast for you so that's a funny thing the guy uh, who played harmonica my buddy phil robinson he had actually known um the two actors that we had uh angela and uh i'm sorry angelica and uh mike Tirado. um they killed it so he he was these were personal friends of his and he was like you know i, I think these guys would do a good job Fun fact, they actually acted as a couple in another video. Mm. So we were like, all right, we know they have chemistry because we've seen it. We've seen them do it before. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? They look great. They look the part. They look like they have chemistry. They fit the vibe of yeah. the song. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we just kind of pieced it together. But they were, they're the consummate pros, you know? And so they're not a couple. No, no. Her, her last name, I, I'm trying to remember because her last name, I don't think she uses it professionally. She goes by Angelica Jade um professionally just to give her a little shout out but angelica and mike are are friends but they keep getting cast as lovers in music videos and so convincingly you know they, they do a great job yeah like i would because they were really like looking like a couple i i would have thought they yeah. were a different girlfriend who were friends with you and you were like hey do you guys want to right so they do right. fantastic do they know each other before music videos or do they one day get put together from a music video and then they're just been casted as couples I think they know each other from uh, music scene because they're both actually like incredible musicians on top of being phenomenal actors. So I think that was how they met, if I'm not mistaken, through just oh, nice. like the songwriter scene. Uh, those two should end up together. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they should. Everybody was rooting for him, you know? <laughs> they should, they should, honestly. Yeah, that's <laughs> now, 
now that we're on the topic of music videos, I'm a big fan of music videos overall. I think visuals are a very important key to making a good, solid foundation for a career. I got to ask, what is your favorite music video of all time? Not yours, just in general, or could be yours. Um, you know what? No, <laughs> it's not mine, don't worry. <laughs> you know what? I have to say, I think right now, at least, it's uh, Helena by My Chemical Romance. Okay, okay. I got to check that I one. just, I just did a... Uh, a, like a little interview about the top 10 albums of my my top 10 favorite albums and one of the reasons that that record was my favorite is the video is just so captivating i remember every time i watch it i'm just like that's iconic mm. so uh, that would be my favorite yeah how about yourself mine uh it's definitely smooth criminal by michael jackson oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> anything michael jackson does is always epic <laughs> he, took, he took music videos to a whole nother level, in my opinion. I think he's one of the one that made music videos as crucial, made it what became such a crucial part of every musician's career. That's, he was like the, yeah. the bar for like music videos, you know? I could totally see that. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you about the visual being such an important component of it, because that helps like, it's a whole experience. It helps to be kind of like a cohesive, you know, entity rather than just one, just appealing to one sense, you know? Exactly, exactly, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it always helps the music. And also, if you notice, with big artists, uh, after they release a music video, the song gets substantially bigger. Yeah. Like, after yeah. they might release a song, it might be on the radio for, like, a month or so. The moment they drop the video, it's, like, it's even bigger than it was before. Yeah, that, is, that does seem to be true. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And do you have, like, a, a dream director that you'd like to work with? Is there anyone that you've seen? Just, like, in, it can be as crazy as you want it to be. Like, hmm. any anyone you want do you have a dream director to make a music video with you know i don't know i think that it really it, it could end up being anybody i mean because it could be somebody who's like really well known i'm not like specifically aware of uh music video directors like on a, on a large scale but from my experience working with people um through like the visual medium like the director of this video yasin muhammad it's like you could have like a brilliant director sitting right across from you and you don't even know so i would i would probably say my goal would be you know my dream would be to find somebody who has no reputation who has no you know who's never really done it before who has that kind of hidden talent because i feel like my buddy Yassine, who directed the happy video is one of those people that's just like he's not primarily known for music videos but i mean in my opinion he did a phenomenal job and i was really even more excited to work with someone who maybe didn't have the established reputation for this kind of thing than I would be to work with someone who's done it a million times before. People do that with casting in movies. They'll say, like, yeah. oh, for this role, they don't want it to be a well-known actor. They want it to be a fresh face. Yeah. You know, so, like, I guess that's just, like, a thing people do, you know? So I completely get it. It's valid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes that's uh, that makes it even the product even better. I mean, look at, like, a, a show like The Office. It's not exactly analogous, but so many of the people in the show The Office are kind of like relative unknowns and now they're they define those roles so that's the kind of thing i think creatively in general i aspire to be a part of you know finding a hidden gem yeah definitely no, that's definitely good it brings people <laughs> it'll help sure. a bunch of people you know and Absolutely. so say at the push of a button your dream life could come true what would it look like well it would definitely involve music i i think that the, the thing that I really have cherished most about doing music is when I'm able to affect someone emotionally and 
I mean, selfishly, when the person who is affected emotionally is someone I don't even know. Like that's happened like a couple times where I've not like a ton of times. I'm not like, you know, at that stage of my career, hopefully there will be some day that, that I am there. But, you know, anytime someone who I didn't really know comes up and says, wow, that song really affected me. Um, that's been like one of literally the most powerful things that has happened in my life. So I guess more of that is basically what it would look like being able to have a music career where I'm able to reach people who aren't my buddies. You know, I really appreciate the support of my friends and family. I mean, without that, you'd have nothing, but every once in a while when someone you don't even know comes into the picture, it's like, Whoa, that's awesome. You know? And do you believe it will come true? Oh man, you know, uh, again, as an artist, I'm sure you're familiar with this feeling. Uh, some days I think yes, some days I think hell no. But today I am so inspired by this interview, my friend. <laughs> I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I hope this helps because I, I believe you can. I strongly do. I was watching you. I was like, I could totally see this guy being big. Definitely. Ah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. No doubt. <laughs> So yeah, honestly, I hope I hope that keeps you going, you know. And Absolutely. Once once COVID chills out, what is what are the next moves? So I am very lucky and very frustrated in that I have a few things on deck that are really big. I have a gig in New York that I'm not, I guess, at liberty to talk about publicly, but it's like a really really epic venue. It's not Madison Square Garden, but you know, it's like one of those venues that I you know, got booked at and I was like, wow, they're letting me play here, huh? <laughs> and then COVID came right then. So we just rescheduled it for uh, the fall. So hopefully that'll be on deck. I'm also playing AC Beer and Music Festival in Atlantic City. The original lineup was Newfound Glory, the early November, like two other people and me. So I was like, that's amazing. Uh, a couple of those acts had to drop out due to COVID, but those two shows are on the horizon. And then uh, my EP will be coming out, a new single next month leading up to the EP, uh, hopefully in the middle of the year. Cool. No, you, you've opened up for some, I was looking at your website, you've opened up for some pretty cool people. Like, I'm, I'm a big Motley Crue fan, and I saw that you opened yeah. up on Karate. How I was did. that? When was, like, what, what year was that? When was that? Where was that? How was it? Like, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was 2019. Okay. So funny thing about me is I've been playing my whole life, but I, as, as you kind of mentioned as well, like, uh, I did, I didn't put the guitar down. Uh, so in that respect, I guess like you and I are different in our journey, but I did take a huge hiatus where I was like playing just for myself. So for years and years, I didn't do anything. And then I just put my pedal to metal to put my foot to the floor. And then shortly after I started saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go for it. That gig opportunity came up. Uh, it was right here in Teaneck, which is my hometown. There's a great venue called Debonair Music Hall. And John Karabi was coming through town and uh, a guy who was helping me book said, you should open for this dude. And I said, I agree. That would be lovely. <laughs> and uh, I guess I had like a couple good turnouts prior to that for other shows. So, you know, it always helps if you, you know, make a good impression on the venue. So I guess they gave me a shot and I got to open for John Karabi. That's, that's pretty awesome. Cool. That's so cool. Who are, who are cool. some other people you opened up for again? Um, it's a really kind of eclectic, yeah. um, that's a positive way of saying random <laughs> group of people so it was drake bell from drake and josh yeah, that's right i remember i saw that too and i was like wow oh, yes it's really cool yeah yeah and he was like really talented like everyone knows him for being an actor but he's got some serious chops yeah. um and lee dewise from american idol i i wasn't huge into american idol i'll admit 
Um, that was another one where somebody said, you should take this show. And I said, you know, you don't have to tell me twice, but that guy's ridiculously talented. I mean, he, he played, this was a show in Stanhope, New Jersey, which is a very rural area of Jersey, kind of like far away from anything I'm familiar with. Um, but he just sat there with his acoustic guitar and, and sang a real stripped down set. And it was like, everybody was captivated. So really cool, cool things that just kind of happened serendipitously. You know what I found out recently about him? I didn't, I didn't know this. I feel like, I guess I was just late to this, but he like moved yeah. to Mexico and changed his name to Drake Campana. Uh, uh, I heard that, yeah. And like all his posts are in Spanish now. And because I think that's just where people were, people liked him the most there, I guess. Did you, did you exactly. Know I did, I did. That was after, uh, after we played together. So it was kind of funny because like all my friends came through to that gig because they were like, oh my God, Drake Bell. And then I, as soon as he announced that he was doing that or it came out that he was doing that, I got all these text messages like, wait, what's going on with the guy you opened for? <laughs> it's like, hey, he's, he's giving the people what they want. You know, if he's yeah. really big in uh, South America or Central America, you know, go, go to where your fans are, I guess. Yeah, I was like, I, I only found this out like a couple weeks ago. I was like, wait, what? Where was I for this? When was this? It was, I think it was very sudden because <laughs> after I played with him, I started really keeping tabs in his career and it seemed like it came out of nowhere. But mm -hmm. I mean, do you, have you met the people that you've been opening up for? Or do you not get to meet them? Yeah. So I stupidly, I, uh, the John Karabi gig was on St. Patty's day. So the turnout was like horrible mm -hmm. and I was all like moping and being discouraged. So I just like, I didn't say anything until the very end. And I was like, Hey, uh, you know, that was awesome. And I meant it, but I just felt like I was like unworthy of like talking to John Karabi because I didn't bring that many people to the venue, but he was so gracious and so nice. And I really regretted not talking to him more. Uh, Drake Bell was super friendly. Uh, we took a photo um, wow. and he was, he was really like engaging with a lot of the people. He was letting, you know, everyone come up, take a photo with him. Uh, Lee DeWise was the most friendly. He came up on stage with me and made like a little like supportive speech. He put his arm around me and stuff. So I was like, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, it depends, but I've been really lucky. I mean, these things, like I said, just kind of fell into my lap pretty quickly. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. That's really good support there. I hope you, get, I hope you can open up for more cool people. And I, and I hope I can see you one of these days play live because I like your stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. I like Same. I appreciate that. Thank you. Say it again. No, I, I, just like what you've been, I just like what you've been doing, you know? Like, I like your style. It's really good stuff. And I can definitely see a spot for this, you know? Thank you, man. The feeling is mutual. It's, uh, yeah. I got to say, I checked your stuff out. I was very impressed. I don't know if that's a typical thing to bring up in a, you know, on a radio interview, but that's fine. <laughs> you, you have, you have my, my vote of confidence as well. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that a lot. And <laughs> before we go, I want to know what advice would you give to any musicians who want to do what you do? I've got something to say on this because as I alluded to, been playing since I was, you know, too young to even know what was going on. And I let, I don't even know, like 15 years just pass me by while I was too afraid to do anything. I actually had a gig at 14 at uh, Borders bookstores. Uh, I played at a library at 12. And so I had these beginnings and then I just let life take over. So my, you know, word of wisdom would be just go for anything you want not just because life is too short, but because you can't anticipate all the things that will carry you. The people that I met along the way are the reason I got to open for Drake Bell and, you know, Lee DeWise and John Karabi. The reason I felt encouraged and emboldened to do 
crazy things. And that ended up being beautiful memories and moments that brought me to where I am. I thought it's too hard. Music is scary. I didn't even want to play an open mic. I'd get my leg would start shaking. Now I'm like, bring it on. So just don't, don't ever think that you know exactly what's going to happen because life is totally weird and twisted. So just go for it. Great advice from Rory Delaz now. Great, <laughs> great stuff. Well, I'd like to say thank you for agreeing to come on here. It was great speaking to you. Same, same. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Hopefully we can speak again sometime soon. Absolutely, brother. If you're just tuning in, I'm wrapping up my interview with Rory Delazno. My name is Joshua Sweet, and you're listening to 102 WLES LP Newton. Thank you so much.